Hi everyone, I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is the Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, Dapper Meeple hat not required. All right, so we are back, baby. We're back from PAX U, and today we're going to tell you all about it. But first, we'll talk about some big moves in the industry and what you can expect from us in 2022. Hey, so sit back and enjoy this episode of The Dapper Meeple. So this is either going to be our last show of 2021 or first show of 2022. It's it's really right on the cusp. Right? Right. It's one of those, do you, like, how active are you during the holidays? Most of us are just kind of, at the end of the year, like, splash for the last, like, two weeks. It's just like, it's done. Right? Yeah, I think this is a good high note to end on. PAX came back this year, so we're going to talk about that, and we'll talk about what we did while we were there. If you're following our Instagram, you saw the pictures, you saw uh, the stuff that we were putting up, the stuff that we were getting to. Um, so we'll get into that uh, in the next segment. But I guess for our opening, uh, while we were goofing around in Philadelphia, uh, there was all sorts of big stuff going on. Yeah, a lot of uh, moving and shaking happening in the industry as a whole. Some of the big names, um, uh, uh, big names surrounding our industry, uh, doing all sorts of different things, including selling off, um, talking about new plans for the way they operate and do business. So a lot of different things like that. Uh, starting up, we have Asthma Day on the market again uh, this year for $3.1 billion being sold to the Embracer Group, uh, who is known to, they actually own a few video game companies. Uh, they seem to be a entertainment, I guess, procurer, I guess would be the way to describe them. Right. Uh, they own, uh, one of the big names they own already is Gearbox Studios, which Borderlands I was gonna say that's is the one that comes out of Borderlands, there. Yeah. If you don't know who Asmodee is, uh, Asmodee is kind of a large umbrella corporation that has been aggressively buying smaller companies for many years now. Underneath the umbrella of Asmodee, we have Fantasy Flight who's known for all sorts of different things at this point. Right. But a lot of the big ticket Star Wars Marvel games come from Fantasy Flight. Z-Man games, who they own and create the Pandemic line of games. So the from the original Pandemic all the way up through the newest Pandemic Legacies and all the variations in between. Catan Studios, uh, of course, Catan. Right, right. right. Uh, which we saw the new 3D Catan at PAX, which looked crazy. Uh, it's crazy expensive, but if you're a Catan <laughs> fan, I could absolutely see you getting that on your table. And lastly, uh, Days of Wonder is another big uh, part that Asmodee owns, which Ticket to Ride is the, the main name that comes out of that. Right, and I know when we were looking at who was going to be at PAX this year, um, Asmodee was a notable exception, right? They weren't, they didn't have anything there. Um, so, Maybe this is why, like this is they had this going on, and uh, there were a few bigger companies that didn't show at the convention. But I think we talked about this last time when we were doing kind of our uh, update intro to packs, right. what we were looking for, hoping for. I, I think a lot of them made decisions early in the year that they weren't going to do any cons, 
due to the coronavirus and things like that still, you know, running rampant with the variant of the week. And they, after making those decisions, I think they just kind of stuck to them through the end of the year. Right. Um, so Asmodee, when were, weren't they bought out? Was it you said a couple of years ago too? Right, right. Two thousand eighteen, uh, they were bought by another company for one point four billion dollars. Um, let's see, that was the PAI Partners. Uh, they purchased them then. So in just what's that? Three short years, they've not only doubled what they were worth, um, but also. You know, much more than that. I was going to say, and then some. Yeah, you're talking about, well, almost another one point seven billion. Pretty we're much, talking yeah. billions. Like, yeah. did we ever think that the game, like board game industry, was going to get into those kind of numbers? Right? Like, I, I, I can't. I don't think anybody could have foreseen something like this. You know, ten, fifteen years ago. Well, I mean, we look around. Uh, just for instance, being at PAX. We're in the middle of still somewhat of a pandemic, and there, I mean, it was crowded. Yeah. Not not as much as it was in 2019, but right. especially on Saturday, there were a ton of people there. And I think it really just shows that this hobby is, is really coming into its own. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of desire for the kind of experiences you're able to get out of this hobby, which are, are varied and widespread. So I, I definitely can see this, you know, we, we did some research for another project of ours talking this could be, you know, a $25, 30000000000 billion industry by 2025. Right, right. So this, I'll tell you right now with that other project, um, this looks good for, like, this is what I want to see. Uh, <laughs> if you're wanting to be involved in the gaming industry in any fashion right now, I think this is what you want to see. Yeah. Like, it's definitely on the way up. So, I mean, that's huge for us that have enjoyed this. And I think so many people, especially in the pandemic, have come to it because you've got a lot of time where you are quarantined or you weren't allowed to go out or we were avoiding people um, and picking up games and, you know, getting into this uh, is probably, you know, one of the safest things you can do with your time. Right. Because nobody wants to come out of the pandemic with like four kids. So. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Good options. Um, let's talk Kickstarter. So. From the beginning of our show, um, we have always done the Kickstarter roundup, right? Right. Uh, which there are other uh, crowdfunding sites out there. Um, we are looking at GameFound. Uh, I just kind of looked into that one, uh, which is a site that looks to be specifically for gaming. Uh, when we were at PAX, there was a game that we looked at, uh, which is the Total War Rome which is a video game, and that they are converting into a type of board game. Looked really good. I like the ideas that they had. Um, they were kind of just demoing the current version of it, and they're going to be starting a crowdfunding campaign to get it put together. Uh, but Kickstarter's always been kind of like near and dear to our hearts. That's where the industry seems to be going, um, for, especially for small designers. Right. I think it opens up the opportunity for people who do not have the like initial startup capital to be able to put their ideas out there and see if they will float or not. I, I think it's also good for larger companies as well. I mean, shoot, you look at CMON, they have made their name on Kickstarter. Right. Um, they 
are able to basically test these ideas to see if they will be liked, which if you look at any of the CMON Kickstarters that have come out within the past couple of years, they are all complete hits. Right. Because at this point, everyone knows if you're going to back one of those Kickstarters, you're going to get like two boxes of game and one of them is going to be all minis. Right. I was going to say, so, <laughs> it doesn't matter what the game is. There's like 30 minis that come with it. Exactly. And they're good minis. They're yeah, good they, minis. <laughs> they are. Uh, Kickstarter, though, always struck me as it's it's kind of the granddaddy of the crowdfunding. Yeah. They were the first ones to really kind of get this formula right. Um, so what's the news with them now? Uh, they had a press release, I believe it was actually back on the 8th. So while right before we went to PAX, right around that time frame, um, that they're going to be um, talking about making moves to uh, change the website and go to blockchain. Right. So I... I I don't know how many people have heard about it. I know that I had to do some research because I thought blockchain was exclusively something that was related to cryptocurrency. So my first thought was like, man, I got to buy I got to back Kickstarters and Bitcoin now. Damn. <laughs> now I got to go find Bitcoins. So uh, but blockchain is actually the technology that cryptocurrency is based off of. Right. It's an open source kind of ledger that lets anybody check any transaction anytime, which basically keeps it honest. Right. Um, and I guess that's what they're going to as going to be kind of like the backbone of their new site. Yeah. So what it looked like, um, some of the articles that I was reading was they're making kind of an open source platform mm -hmm. that can then also be used by other crowdfunding sites as well, which is a very interesting choice. Um, but nonetheless, they got, they're going to this kind of new thing and the initial, Initial response from the public seems to be negative, and to be completely honest, I'm not 100% sure why, because it didn't seem like they had released enough information yet to make an accurate like determination of how, at least personally, I feel on it. Right, right. Well, I mean, I, I think you get this in any fandom, and I think you get this big in our industry here, and uh, there's always a lot of resistance to change. Like, immediately, the immediate response is, you're going to ruin everything. Like, again, we just talked about a $3.1 billion deal. There's a lot out there. Like, it's going to be hard to ruin everything. <laughs> well, to be fair, a lot of people think that Asmodee have ruined board games or are in the process of actively ruining board games. So, you know, there's <laughs> that mindset is already out there. So that's kind of... I'm not sure exactly where, at least partially, I fall on it. Um, I'm interested to see yeah. once they release some more information because it sounds like it's very much still like planning stages. That's what uh, yeah, from the press what release they've happened. yeah what they've released so far, um, and they actually did a response to the backlash. Uh, I believe it was just a couple of days ago now. They said that they are listening to people's concerns and comments. Now, what that actually means, whether it's going to do anything or it's just like duly noted and will continue on. Right. Um, that's yet to be seen. But I, I want to hear more from Kickstarter and what their kind of plans and goals are from there. Right. Uh, because like we were talking about there, they aren't the only one out there anymore. Mm -hmm. um, uh, originally, that was where you had to go if you wanted like to be seen on this crowdfunding type platform. But GameFound has really kind of given them competition yeah, for, I, was say. I mean, lack of a better term, to just to see a AAA type game like that Total War Rome going strictly to GameFound 
Like that's kind of an indicator of where the market and movement is shifting. Um, from some of the things that I was reading when looking at this, uh, kind of comparing the two websites, GameFound apparently has a lot of um, tools and resources for the actual companies like putting on the crowdfunding program. So it gives them a lot of options and tools and things to see not only how their project is doing, but kind of projecting forward from there. Uh, something that apparently Kickstarter does not do very well. Right, right. Um, and one of the articles I was reading, the guy who wrote it, um, he had actually started and had a few Kickstarters himself. And he was questioning why Kickstarter is looking at doing almost this kind of strange like move away from the industry um, as opposed to putting the money and things into upgrading their user experience. Yeah, right. I saw some of that. I Honestly, though, I mean, this is something that is completely different. It feels like with the move that Kickstarter is making. And like you said, I'm waiting to see how this is going to turn out before I really get opinionated about it. You right. Know? Um, let's see what this does, because in any industry, like you run into, you know, times where you're just dealing with things that are the status quo and things start to get stagnant and something like that. I mean, this may be something that Kickstarter does that works and really shakes up how we look at games and how we're looking at the whole crowdfunding to begin with. And at the end of the day, Kickstarter is going to be looking to benefit Kickstarter. Right. right. So perhaps, I mean, this could be anything from a shareholder move or something like that where they're looking to I mean, broaden their like portfolio to what is actually bringing them in money. Right. So it's tough to say until we see more information, but I'm definitely definitely something to take a look at and keep an eye on to see because of the effect that Kickstarter has on board games. Right. So, right. Oh, and speaking of changes, we didn't talk much about it before we got started, but have you seen all the new errata coming out from Wizards of the Coast? I have not. Wizards of the Coast has gone back and basically put out a new uh, like errata for each book that they put out. Like, I mean... I don't know if they got every book, but they got a lot of them, like a lot of them. Um, and a lot of it's going back in, like we've talked about, they've worked on previously how they were wanting to change uh, some of the language in their books that people considered to be insensitive or racist or just, well, if somebody's this race, they're automatically evil, right? Right. And they removed a lot of that. Well, this is going back in. It looks like they took a deeper dive into it. And they removed some other issues or they changed it around where it's like, hey, you know, not every beholder is, you know, this crazy, psychotic, paranoid being that is afraid of everybody stabbing them in the back. And that's why they're so mean, you know, it, it comes in and says that's a suggestion on how you could play it. They're removing that stuff. Uh, they're removing tropes, which man, if you still want to have that kind of a beholder then play that kind of a beholder, throw them at your party. That's fine. Um, I think the thing they're doing is they're removing it so that isn't the standard, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, that's huge. And of course, I have not gone back in to read any of the comments in the comment sections because I just don't mental health wise. I'm I'm not I'm not going to do that. <laughs> the only so that does make sense because I did see a a tweet come out. I I believe it was last this past week, right after we got back from PAX. And I was trying to figure out what it was talking about because, you know, Twitter, they pop up random things all the time. And it was talking about a change. It was one of the errata from uh, Storm King's Thunder, I believe. 
and there was one a line in there, I guess, um, talking about one of the characters, which I have not played Storm King's Thunder, so I'm not 100% familiar. Uh, there was a line in there about a character who was affected by a spell, and it described them as being, I want to say, insane. Right. And the person who had made the tweet said that that was not good enough, that that language was still ableist. Yeah. Um, which I feel like we could have a whole discussion on where we sit on that, which I don't think right now is really the time or place, but I commend wizards for trying to take steps in that direction. Um, I feel like they're really trying to, um, step away from kind of the, I guess the stigma that has come with role-playing games for years and years, um, to really open it up and broaden it to uh, everyone right right and i i think they're the only thing that i will say in regards to that is the truth that i learned a long time ago is that you cannot make everyone happy (laughs) and so regardless of whatever links they go to there will always be people who say they should have gone farther and then there will at the same time be people who say they went too far right um but i i like the way that they are doing it where they are giving options um it's helping to open up this instead of it being a well if you want to do it that way you have to go homebrew it now hey here's an official like opposite way if you want to run it this way right uh and i really think for them with the established stories and established canon that they have that that is really the best way for them to do it yeah 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 i think um it'll be interesting to see how this all kind of shakes out um I don't know how much of an effect it's going to have on most of the games that I play in or the games that I run. Uh, I like, I know personally, I like my villains to be villains because, you know, that's the choice that they're making. Um, And not necessarily because, you know, well, I was born a villain. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. It gives me a little bit more depth to play with. So we'll see. I just wanted to point that that out while we were uh, talking about stuff that was going on in the last couple of weeks, because that's been a big one. Um, and like I said, I didn't read the comment section because, you know, there's always people, you know, there's always people out there that say, well, this, you know, this group or this company's ruined this or they've ruined, you know, board games. Nothing's ruined. <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> Bunch of fallen sky running around chicken little motherfuckers. Quit it. Quit it. So. Uh, so this has been kind of the end of our first year. Um, we got uh, we had a huge break in the middle of it where we didn't record anything. Um, but we've been kind of like shaking the bugs out, right? Like, this is something that we wanted to do, and we kind of walked into it. I wouldn't say blind. I think we did our research um, fairly well on how we were going to run a podcast. Though we did upgrade our equipment like three times before we even recorded the first one. <laughs> so, um, that was on me. That was on me. I get excited. I just buy shit. Um, but we're moving on to next year, and this is something that I think we're going to keep up with. Uh, we've had a lot of, you know, good responses. We've reached out. We've talked with people. You know, we had the uh, the drawing we did with Kurt at the uh, the end of the year here. Yep. Uh, so we got to work with a TikTok content creator that we like and respect. Um, able to kind of spread some stuff around. We've had a couple of other podcasts reach out to us and just kind of like, you know, shoot the shit and talk about, you know, possibly doing something later on. Uh, it's kind of a collaboration. Um, I'll tell you at PAX, we got to hand out some pins and some lanyards and talk a little bit about what we do. Uh, and as always, like this whole industry for me has always been really welcoming. 
Yeah. You know, nobody's like, you know, fighting us, you know, like, well, you can't do that because I'm doing that. Like, no, no, everybody's like, there's plenty of room figured out, you know, whatever works, works and what doesn't, doesn't. Right. Uh, so next year, um, I guess really, I think we've kind of gotten a lot of the bugs shaken out. Here's where we suck. Schedules. <laughs> Planning is not our strong suit. Um, for any of you that listen that actually have met us and know us, you'll know that to be our uh, our true true flaw. Right. But uh, this year, one thing we want to do is we want to have a more consistent release schedule um, to be able to really get more content out there. Um, there is so much stuff to talk about that we do not even get a chance to cover. Um, things just happen so fast sometimes in this world and in the industry that I mean, there will never be, we'll never be able to cover everything. Right. Um, but there is a lot of stuff for us to be able to make content about and, and to keep releasing it. Um, one, another thing we want to do is, uh, we want to collaborate more this year. Yes. Um, uh, I, I especially enjoyed, uh, being able to do like the giveaway with Kurt. Um, that was fun. And we actually met quite a few people at PAX, which we'll, we'll talk about that here in the next segment. Uh, but people that we want to, you know, bring on the show, have segments with, get their perspectives from that side of the world, whether it be cosplayers um, or even, you know, perhaps they run a D&D, B&B, um, those kind of things. Uh, we want to bring that in. We want to have that kind of content um, for anyone who wants to listen. Uh, the other thing I'm, I would be excited about is doing like collaborations with some other podcasts. Uh, one of the ones that specifically comes to mind is board game famous. Uh, they reached out to us. They are also two brothers who talk about board games. Um, their whole goal is to become famous enough to where, uh, publishers will send them things for them to test. And so they can become board game famous. Um, they issued an official challenge to us, which once we get the bugs worked out of how we're going to get, get that settled, um, we're going to have some sort of competition for dominance of the best, um, brothers in board gaming. So we'll, we'll, once that gets all ironed out and we figure that out, of course, we'll be talking about that and, uh, hopefully we can do maybe like an extra, um, or a charity stream or something like that. Like extra life or something. Yeah. Extra life or... Uh, something along those lines to really give back to the community and uh, have fun doing it. Yeah. So, so that's what we're looking forward to. Hey, uh, if you've stuck around with us this long, or if you're just finding us, uh, we appreciate that you've listened this far, and we hope that there's something here that makes you want to come back. Um, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean. I mean, we're at. I think most of the places you can get podcasts now will show up if you just search Dapper Meeple. Um, our logo is pretty distinct. Uh, we right. found that out while we were wandering around. Yep. Uh, so just look for us there, and uh, hopefully you'll come along for this ride. So let's do it. Let's talk packs. You. I was so glad to be back in philly this year right it's it's been two years now uh since we were able to go up there for the first time which was really our first big convention that we went to and that was really kind of the the catalyst for starting us on this journey yeah because after that convention we kind of looked at each other and we're like we want to do something in this industry we we want to have some sort of 
some sort of part in it, I guess is the best way to kind of describe it. Um, and that was, that was it. So after that, even though it took us a while to get around to there and to get to even where we are today, right? it was nice to be, to be back in Philly. Again, that planning thing is not, not really our specialty, but yeah, man, it was so like, it was so good to be back in there. So we drove up, we're in Virginia beach. Uh, there were some issues with the place that we were staying when we first got there. Um, I will put a plug in here. They're not sponsoring us or anything, but for Airbnb is their customer service for us has been really good. Like if there's a problem, <laughs> they take care of it. Um, so yeah, so it took us a while to find, uh, to get our stuff straightened out. We drove up Thursday night. Uh, we actually had to check into a hotel room, which we did Friday morning. Right. Um, and then, which of course, Friday is the first day of the convention. Um, and then we checked into the actual place that we ended up staying, uh, Friday night after we got done at the convention. Uh, so I think I went into Friday morning with about two hours of sleep or so, but walking back into the hall for the first time was like, it was like a wake up. Like you could feel the buzz. Everybody's wearing masks. So PAX was definitely, um, real big on the, uh, you know, protocols. So everybody had to be masked all of the time. And they actually had some of the enforcers that were walking around with, the, they were, right. uh, what the mask stewards? Yeah, mask stewards. So they were checking people's masks and they, most of them I saw had like a box of the disposables just in case. Right. Uh, there were certain type of masks they wouldn't allow, like the neck gaiters they wouldn't let you wear, or if there was a valve, like a release yep. valve on your mask. So um, they did have some rules. You also had to go and you had to prove vaccination. And one of the ways they did that was through a an app, app on the phone, right? Yep. And you signed into the app. You put all your information in. The app actually verified your information by... Uh, a picture of your, like an ID. Right. And then a picture of your face. Right. Um, and then it took a picture of your card and put it in there. So when you were walking into PAX for the first day, you would open this app and tap on the PAX U tab that was there for you. Um, and it showed green that you were good to go. And they put a wristband on us yep. that was made out of, I don't know, like bulletproof material. I, <laughs> dude, it took me forever to cut that damn thing off. But it was there. Like, they wasn't going anywhere. They're not. Don't get me wrong. They say packs on them and stuff. Like, it was kind of cool. But everybody was walking around. So when you walked into anywhere, you went into any of the panels or shows or anything. Or when you're walking into the, the hall, the guys that were standing there, the first thing they wanted to do was check your wristband and your badge. Yep. So, um so that's how they work to try to keep everybody safe. Now, I'm interested to see if, you know, there's a lot of outbreak from that or not, or how this is going to go. I don't know if anybody's really going to be tracking that, but I would I, be interested to see how that turned out. Right. I will say this was the, I mean, last year after PAX, we came back and then like right after then, like I felt like con crud. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And this year though, I'll say I definitely didn't have any of that. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, if anything, it helped prevent whatever that is. Um, I think anyone who's ever been to a big convention in the past has felt that before. Um, a combination of not as much sleep as you normally get, a very active, busy day, and then just being around a ton of people usually lends itself towards that. But um, after this time, definitely didn't have anything like that. Overall, it was a great experience. Um, you could tell... Uh, like we talked about before, uh, the crowd at first seemed to be a little bit less. Yeah, Friday was, uh, there were people there, but it felt a little slim. Yeah. I, I think probably by lunchtime, though, like it felt kind of getting up to kind of normal. 
But then Saturday, Saturday was ridiculous. Yeah. There were more people there. There was probably as many people there as there were in the past years. Yeah, I definitely want to check the numbers when they start putting them out. But the con too was small. Like, we were in the same hall. We were in the convention center. Uh, but it did not fill as much of that convention center. There were probably about four or five rows missing. Yeah. Uh, is kind of what it, it seemed like. But that being said, there was still a ton of stuff there. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of both still bigger publishers as well as a lot of smaller ones that I kind of enjoyed being able to see that side too. Yeah. Kind of not as well known um, people being able to kind of showcase their stuff. And I would say probably less competitive area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did see that almost all of even the small publisher booths always had people there like learning the games or seeing what was going on. So that was really cool to see. I hope that, you know, those publishers and those companies that were there got a lot of like good recognition off of that. I really hope that that kind of worked out for them. I think I noticed a lot, too, this year. There was a lot of like and not even just small companies, but like, I guess small businesses but i know like uh the one guy that was doing uh, i think his name was joshua i'll look this up and i'll put his link on our uh show notes uh the guy that was doing all of the boxes and the dice uh like yep. holders and stuff yeah, and yeah, he was yeah carving himself and stuff like that yeah all the handmade stuff right there were quite a few that i don't remember seeing them there in past years of like handmade items like there were quite a few of those the other thing that popped out to me was the board game distributor and manufacturer companies that were there. Yeah. I saw like three or four different booths that were um, basically you bring them your idea to publish and to make your board game and they handle the manufacturing and distribution side of it, which that's pretty, that's pretty cool that that is actually a viable like thing to have now at a con, right? which they may have been there in the past and we just didn't see them. But definitely, I was able to see them a lot. I was going to say, they definitely stood out this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I don't know, maybe the way that it was set up or something, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It was definitely obvious uh, when you went by their booth, which I thought that was really cool, too. Uh, I know the one, uh, I didn't get the the name of it. They had a lot of the games that they had Yeah, the ones that they had actually um, published or distributed, they had them up on a shelf there. Yeah. And it was big titles, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Stuff that's really made waves. And they had little signs like, we don't actually sell games. We're the manufacturer. <laughs> yeah. It was like, okay, cool. Um, God, there was so much stuff that we missed. Like, you can't go to one of these cons and get everything. There's just, there's no way. Like, literally, you go through, they put the schedule out about a week and a half before. And we went through the schedule and we're like, what do we want to go to? Uh, we did focus on a lot of panels this year, mm-hmm. um, getting to see those. So that was cool. Um the very first thing that we did, the first thing that we did when the lines opened was <laughs> we went to find Wild Bill Soda, right? So these guys do a lot of different like conventions and you know, fairs ra- and yeah. stuff like that. And they make uh, kind of this custom caffeine-free, old-fashioned type soda, and they're good. Like, they're really good, mm-hmm. right? And they sell these cups. Uh, they're like, uh, you know, like kind of old like metal cups. And uh, they're if you you can get them like the ones that are uh, insulated or not, um, a lot of options. Go look at their website, man. Like seriously, the, the cups are cool. But last year we didn't realize that if you buy the cup, then you can get it refilled. It's like five bucks. And you can refill it all day long, right? 
And even if you bring a cup from them that you'd gotten somewhere else, like at an older con, yep. you just pay the five bucks and you can fill the cup, right? Yeah. Because I think the cups were like 60 bucks or something. Yeah, well, I think with the with the three day pass to refill, I think it was like sixty three bucks or something like that. So not terrible because they are really really nice cups. But the the year we went twenty nineteen, the year we went to PAX, we walked by their booth the first day because they were at the, the front, front of yeah. of the expo hall when you walk through. Um, and we saw they had oh, these really cool cups that had like packs engraved on them. And we were like, ah, oh, those are cool. We'll have to come back and check them out. So we didn't go back there until I think it was like the second day last time. And by the time we got back to them, because we saw how long the lines were by the end of the first day, by the time we got back on the second day, they were all sold out of the packs cups. So we got regular ones, which they're still cool, right? but they didn't say packs. So this year, that was goal number one. Um, we had 30 minutes to get into the Expo Center and get our cups, get our soda, and then make it back out to the opening ceremony um, panel that was they always do. That first panel, yeah. yeah. And we got them, and they look fantastic. Um, you can actually, if you do go to our Instagram, I did put some pictures of the cups up uh, so you can see them on there. I think it's one of the best deals in the con, because like I said, if you come back next year, bring your cup, and you just pay the five bucks and fill it up all day. Yeah. Right. So especially at the convention center where any soda is like six bucks or something ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. For five bucks, being able to get unlimited refills. Yeah. Sign me up. You know, you know who else is a big fan of uh, of Wild Bill Soda? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let's not spoil it. <laughs> OK. All right. We'll get there. We'll get to that. So uh, let's talk games. So the games that we saw, the couple that we picked out that we were real interested in and, um, you know, wanted to talk about. I'm going to talk Warhammer Kill Team. Warhammer, if you you're familiar with it, it is a big. Uh, it's it's big. Like I've it's always been intimidating to me just how big Warhammer is. Yeah. Like you build an army, and you know, I mean, Henry Cavill can tell you all about it. If you haven't seen <laughs> that clip, um, Google Henry Cavill Warhammer Graham Norton. He was on the Graham Norton show, and he was talking about what you know. This is part of his hobby. He paints the miniatures, and then you build an army, and you go fight another army. Right? Well, it's big. The guys over at uh, Games Workshop have kind of like kind of scaled it down a little bit into the new kill team uh, build, which instead of army on army, you're talking squad on squad. Right. So they actually came out with a kill team version a few years ago, and it didn't really do very good. I kind of floundered a little yep. bit. Um, but the new updated rule set that they came out with, um, doing a little reading on it and stuff, looks really good. Right. They went back and kind of revamped. The new one that came out was uh, Kill Team Octarius, right? And it gave you the map. It gave you the uh, stuff to build, uh, like kind of terrain features. And then it gave you two armies. One of them is a new army, very new to Warhammer. But they are the the Death Corps of Krieg and then the Orc Commandos, right? So I've been interested in Warhammer. I just kind of started reading some of the books. Uh, the lore is always real fascinating to me, and I wanted to get into it a little bit. And it's kind of encouraged me to want to try the game. Uh, this seems like a good way to kind of put your toe in it, you know, without having to buy a huge army. Everything you need to play is in the box. So I've got that, and then I open the box, and everything I need to play is in there, and it's in pieces. So i got to put all that together and get those painted and stuff. <laughs> so that's, that's on my to-do list now. Um, I got a friend of mine who hopefully we'll have on the show eventually to talk wargaming. He's big into it, uh, giving me some pointers to get me started. But it was just, it was such a good deal. Over in the corner, there was this little kind of like dark area, right? And you could hear some sounds and stuff coming out of it. And you saw the Kill Team banners around it. And it was like laser tag, right? So you go in there and there was the, you know, uh, the Imperium and then Orcs. And you 
picked up the blasters or the 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 markers, the laser guns, and they looked like they came right out of Warhammer. Which you've ever seen Warhammer? It's big and it's bulky and it yeah. I swear to God, the orc, the gun for the orcs, because of course that's the way that I went. Like that thing must have weighed twenty pounds. <laughs> like it was it was not designed to be comfortable, right? And you had a couple of sensors that you could clip onto your basically clipped onto our lanyards. Um, and you went in, you played like a 10 minute game, right? Uh, it was like 10 bucks for a ticket to go do that. And I was like, cool, I'm going to do this because you play, go play their laser tag. You got a coupon for a hundred dollars off of the box. And it was like $200 for the kill team box. Yeah. So I went in there to play and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to come in here. I'm going to make a little pew pew. I'm going to shoot some people. Um, we're not going to get real competitive or anything, nothing crazy. And then the sound and the light started and then, you know, there was a big war cry for the from the orcs, like Warg! and I forgot what I was doing. I got all sweaty, and it was rough. It was rough, but we won eleven to like four. Um, and I think that's really what's important. Till I realized that they give the coupon to the losing team too. So, uh, <laughs> so whatever. So I did pick up a copy of that, and I'm excited to give that a run. And like I think war gaming is kind of a big uh, blank spot for us. Neither one of us have really ever been into it or big into it or anything. So. When we talk about the gaming industry, we talk about this part of it. Uh, that's one of those that we just don't we don't have anything on. So yeah. maybe we'll learn something on this. Yeah, the um, <laughs> one of the things that I liked uh, the Warhammer booth that they had set up. First of all, it was one of the biggest booths yeah. uh, out of anybody there. But they had a couple of the weapons from like their lore. Yeah, uh, that they had that were full size. You couldn't touch them. They had them like roped off and stuff, of course. Um, but they had those are always cool. I've always enjoyed the art of Warhammer, um, the Space Marines and things like that. I've always been really, really cool looking. It's just never one of those things that I really got into, mainly because first off the time and having to build all the miniatures always was was a little off putting, as well as the price point and commitment was always pretty pretty out of reach yeah it feels like it's definitely something that like i'm in a good place where i could do it now and i'm good with that yeah but kill team seems like not a terrible way in um the msrp on the box is 200 bucks but it does give you two complete armies and terrain set up pretty much everything you need to play this little skirmish battle um and i think right now as i was looking the other day amazon you can get it for like 160 i was gonna say i've seen it for so, like 160 floating around i, I mean that's even again it's not the 110 bucks that you paid but Still, that's not not a bad price point to step into something like this, uh, especially considering the quality of the miniatures and things like that. Right. And then you can always expand it as well with, uh, you know, you can buy the the squads from the Warhammer 40K, um, you know, the the Sisters of Battle and some of the Space Marines and stuff and expand what you're playing with. So you're not using the same ones every time. And there's a compendium out there. Right. That tells you exactly how they would play in the game. Yeah, it converts the rules over from standard 40k to the kill team. So, um, all in all, uh, that was an excellent one. Uh, there were some others that we saw too. One of them we did not actually find until the last day. <laughs> yes. And by the time we found it, it was already, they had sold every copy that they had at the con. Uh, all they had left was the a couple of the expansions and I think a couple of like their their metal upgrades. So this game is Moonrakers. Um, there are a lot of videos out there you can go and watch. I know the Dice Tower has already done a review on it. Of course, Tom Vassell, he usually is one of the first ones because they get everything. Right. Um, but there are a lot of good kind of reviews and things on it. Moonrakers is basically a deck building game uh, where you are part of the pirate faction 
pirate kind of uh, of the Moonrakers uh, that you are trying to vie for to be the new leader of this faction. Uh, the way you play the game is throughout um, either completing objectives or doing missions. You gain prestige and the first captain to get prestige all the way up to 10 is the one who wins. Uh, there are multiple things in the game, such as hazards that you have to watch out for as you're doing missions and things. Um, but at its core, it is a deck builder um, and it looks like a very good deck builder. Yes. Um, yeah, it does. There was a lot of buzz about it that I saw. Um, I'm a fan of Reddit. I use it for a lot of different things, social media wise. Um, and after the first day, there was a thread on the, the pack subreddit about what are some of the things you found today what are some of the things that you know people need to check out and moonrakers actually hit there a few times uh we couldn't find it until the very very last day Uh, we were walking around just kind of doing one more sweep of the expo hall and i saw the banner kind of tucked away and we were able to run over there and take a look at it so overall it's definitely one of those games you can purchase it right now from their website uh, they usually ship out in about a week. He said they just did not have any more there at the convention. They sold out of everything they had, um, which is cool. I'm glad to see that, you know, again, companies are doing well. This the kind of thing that they, they come to conventions for. Right, right. So that's definitely one we are going to be picking up before too long. Uh, we'll probably do a Games We Play segment on it, uh, but definitely one that looks exciting. Um, and I was glad to be able to kind of take a look at while we were there. Uh, their website for anybody that is interested, is moonrakersgame.com. We also got to uh, we get to preview some Marvel Dice Throne. We yeah. backed this Kickstarter. Um, I'm, I, we're big Dice Throne fans anyway. I love that game. Um, that's one of my personal favorites. Uh, and so, because Marvel is taking over everything, they did <laughs> do a Marvel Dice Throne. So we got to see it uh, over at the Dice Throne booth. Right. We didn't get a chance to play because they only had like two spots set up of it, which I mean, makes sense. They, it's probably still an early prototype copy basically. Uh, but we did get to see some of the artwork and stuff like that. That was finished on it. I gotta say the, the box set that we backed looks gorgeous. Uh, each single, if you've ever played dice throne or if we've talked about it before, you know, that each character has its own little tray that has all of its tokens and cards and dice in it. Each tray is a different color in the Marvel Dice Throne to correspond to the character. Each of the dice are individually different, right. again, corresponding to the character. Um, it all looked absolutely gorgeous. Uh, we got to watch a couple people play for a little while. Like I said, that that booth, just in general, is always crowded. Right. Dice right. Throne is always very popular because it's one of those easy like pick-up, play-around, that sort of thing. Uh, so it was good to see Roxley there, though. I'm glad they actually decided to to come. Uh, but that was one of the ones we were excited to take a look at once we saw they were on the exhibitor list. Because I figured that's with their Kickstarter just ending that they would definitely be be there. Right, right. They also had the Kickstarter uh, that was earlier this year for Radlands. That was the other big one that uh, I saw them demoing out there that we didn't get a chance to play as well. Um, but it looked really good. The artwork on that one is pretty amazing. I really like that. Um, so we're going to dig into that one a little bit too. I want to see some of that. Yeah, I will say, I I don't know if it's just us or if it's just in general, but 
Um, it feels like there's never enough time <laughs> at a con. Uh, we obviously there were a lot of panels that we'll talk about that we were, and things we were able to do. Um, but it feels like there were so many things we weren't able to do just because we did not have the time to do it. Right. Um, and the I mean the expo hall is open from ten to six every day. So like there's only so many hours in the day to be able to run around and do things. But right, I feel like we were pretty dedicated. Like we were there. It's just, there's just so much. There's just it so is. much. The other game that we checked out was Unmatched, and that was from Restoration Games. Um, it is a combat type game uh, where, you know, you're playing uh, against other, you know, other people. But the, what really draws a lot of people into the game is the characters that they put in the game all come from, uh, you know, other mythologies and fiction and uh, stuff like that. So I picked up a, just a two player box, right? So it was uh, Bigfoot and Robin Hood. That works. Um, but some of the other ones they had, they do have like a Little Red Riding Hood and Beowulf. They have one in it that's got King Arthur, Alice, Sinbad, and Medusa. They have one box that has a single character, and it's Bruce Lee. Yep. And I love how he is put in there with like these mythological characters. They have a Buffy the Vampire Slayer one, uh, where it comes with Angel, Spike, Willow, and Buffy. So if you're a Buffy fan, you know what those names are. Yeah, the one that um, the one that stood out to me though was the the Victorian literature one, the Cobble and Fog. Right? Yeah, that was one they again. By the time we got to their booth, <laughs> they were sold out of it. Uh, but that they said that was one of their most popular sellers. Yeah. Uh, what are the characters that come in that one? Sherlock Holmes, Jekyll and Hyde, the Invisible Man, and Dracula. Yeah. So that that one looks exciting. We're gonna try out the two player set. This is one. This game has actually been out for a while, and it's actually available at most like larger retail stores. I know Target always has a copy of it of one of the versions. It's been fairly popular. I've heard good things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, this game was uh, compared with um, the pop game that came out, the Funkoverse. Yeah, Funkoverse. Um, and they said they were kind of very similar in the way that we played because it was you you get a dude and they have their abilities and you go up against another person on a map. So it looks pretty good. Uh, the guy explained everything to us, kind of showed us a couple of the different characters. We were watching um, another another two people play it for a little while. So, yeah, definitely excited to check this one out as well. There are so many more games there, uh, ones that we <laughs> we saw not only in passing we talked to a couple people there were uh, there were quite a few there that had not come out yet to have official releases that's right yeah um but they were kind of exhibiting them letting us know they were going to show up on kickstarter or game founder one of those soon so that was pretty cool too one thing i always love about cons is that it's not just the games but it's the accessories yes um we found a couple really cool different um accessory manufacturers i guess we can call them um the one particularly that i picked up some stuff from uh it's a dungeon master screen and initiative tracker system uh where it uses these cards that kind of fold over and sit on the top of the screen and on the back of them you can write down like all of your player character information you can write down all the monsters relevant information and it's all right there at your fingertips uh, makes it really nice it wasn't it wasn't that expensive. I needed a new Dungeon Master screen anyway, um, but there was a lot of good stuff that they had. In so we picked up something from them. That was the Stat Trackers. Yep, from Top Dog Games. Uh, their website is topdoggames.net. If anybody wants to go take a look at those, uh, those do look really good. 
really like anything that makes running a game easier. I'm all about it. One other thing I do like about the screen, one, the artwork is really good. That's true. Yeah. Uh, it was done. I think they said the artist did a lot of the artwork for fourth, fourth edition. edition yeah. Um, but it is wet, dry erase on the inside. So there's a lot of places to be able to put notes. Also, there's like hit point trackers and things like that yeah. all on the inside. So a lot of good, easy stuff to have, like to have your hands on. One of the other things we picked up there, what are those things you got? I did get some um, condition rings for like if you were playing with minis uh, and like say somebody is prone, you, it was just a little ring you could hang on the mini. They're laser cut. Um, I don't have that company. They didn't give me a card uh, when I bought it. Uh, they're def- they were a small business, though. And then the uh, area of effect rings, they were little plastic rings. So if somebody cast something, you would just put that on the map and you could see everybody in the insides affected. Uh, I've been looking for something like that for a while. These ones are really well done. Like, I really like these. Like uh, I said, that's one of the big things that I liked about this year. And I kind of noticed that the first year we were there. Um, where a lot of these smaller businesses are able to kind of show up and get their products and stuff out there. So that that was pretty cool. All right, so let's talk... Um, <laughs> yeah, so we didn't get a lot of... Like we talked about, we didn't get to see all the games because here's all the other stuff that was going <laughs> on at PAX, right? Um, we did... Uh, so we did a tournament. We did get involved in a TPK tournament. We did a lot of the panels. I think that was kind of where our big focus was this year. Yeah, I think that was the big one that we kind of planned to do, which we didn't even hit all the panels that we had planned to do because you could literally be in a panel every hour of, of the entire yeah. con. Yeah, um, there were a few interesting ones that we missed that I wish we could have seen, but nothing that like it didn't break my con for me. Right, right. And they're probably up on PAX Twitch channel or YouTube. Right. So we can go then back you have a lot us. of this. Yeah. Um, so let's start with the uh, TPK tournament. So TPK stands for Total Party Kill. Uh, it is a, I guess, organization you could call. Um, they run these sort of tournaments where uh, everything is pre-generated and you are put into a six-person six party and you are going through this dungeon. The goal is to get through the entire dungeon, each encounter, before anyone else does, and of course, survive. Right. So the encounters range from like medium, hard, or brutal, I think were the three categories they had. Right. Um, and you would you would choose an encounter, what level you wanted before you did it, and you would get magic item rewards based on which type of encounter you did. Right. So the medium one, you'd get one reward, and then hard was two, brutal was three. It was really good. It was put on by 2C Gaming. Uh, those are the guys that were running it. They had a booth there as well. You showed up, you know, showed them your registration, and they put you at a table. You didn't know who you were going to be sitting with. And then they showed you a list of characters, but they showed you their class, right? And their subclass. But we were, it wasn't a lot of information about no, them. No, yeah, you're you're going in kind of blind. Um, but it was cool. Like, I really well run. You got started, and then they had volunteers running the games. Yeah. Um, and what you're trying to do is get, you needed, there was what, three encounters and then the final encounter. You had to get through those and survive. You got one short rest yep. for your party. So this whole time you're you're trying to do damage. You're trying to survive this encounter. You're having to, you know, uh, you know make sure you're not overusing your resources because you know it's just going to get harder until the end. Uh, the winning team was the one who actually killed the final boss. Yep. Um, and if that didn't happen, you know, they kept track of how much damage they had done to it to, right. you know, to judge who was second, third and whatnot. 
So, uh, really well done. We didn't. We did not get to the to the last boss. Uh, no, we were in the room adjacent. Yeah, <laughs> our our party uh, played a little slow. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, and uh, there was a couple of uh, characters that weren't doing a lot of damage, and I think that might have been what slowed us down a little. <laughs> there were some questionable character choices. <laughs> I, I think is the the way the best way to refer to it. Yeah, but yeah, it seemed like a couple of the people in our party were still fairly new to D and D. Yeah. Uh, and this is definitely one of those things where if you're not well versed, even I mean, shoot, even you had a character that when you first picked it up, you weren't like you had never played that yeah. class combination before. So like still, it's one of those things. Fortunately for you, you know, quite a bit of the rules just in general. So it was easier to kind of pick it up and run with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was still like I had a great time. It was fun trying to work with new people who you literally met five seconds ago right to try and figure out the best way to kind of strategize and you know take these rooms down as quickly as possible um there was of course with all D games there was a lot of the like you know when natural 20s happened there was an explosion from tables wherever right. in the room um you know that sort of thing so that was that was a blast it was fun i enjoyed it um i probably would be something i'd be up to doing again my only thing is that it takes four hours. Right. I was going to say. <laughs> and there's only so much time. So I, I think next year, what, what we probably will look at doing is picking uh, our initial time slot we wanted was sold out by the time we went to register. So I think if we try and get maybe that Sunday afternoon time slot, maybe next time. But it, it was fun. Like it was a blast. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I got to play a Circle of the Stars Druid, which is a class I've been eyeballing since they announced it, um, and it came out in the official source books. So that was fun to kind of get to tinker around with that a little bit. Um, but yeah, o overall, it was it was a fun experience. Uh, we did get we got a little goodie bag of stuff. Sure, yeah. Um, had like a uh, first of all, it it was ten dollars to enter, and they gave you a ten dollars off of anything in their booth. So it technically you get your money back if you buy something from them. So that's cool. The other thing, um, you get a little like pin. So we were dealing with mind flayers. So ours said we got killed by mind flayers, um, which was cool. Uh, we were supposed to get a death certificate too, which we did not get. Um, and we were going to follow back up on that, but we obviously we had too many other. Yeah, right, ones, I was so. going to say it got pushed down in the priority list. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so there's that, and then I mean I'm sure everybody's waiting to hear. Uh, we did get into the Looping Louie tournament. <laughs> there was there was one other tournament on our list. So uh, there are always a lot of like gaming tournaments, um, both in modern games and retro games. Uh, so one of the ones that caught our eye was Looping Louie. Uh, for those of you who have never heard of this game or have never seen it, um, this game comes from the '90s. Um, and it was a, one of those old style plastic games where it's all connected together. Um, you had a little paddle and you had this little slot next to it that had these round tokens and on the tokens were chickens. Uh, the game itself in the middle has a little airplane, um, guided airplane that is on an arm and he kind of flies around and you got to use your paddle to to tap him up over your chickens, basically. Right. Because if the plane hits the chicken, the chicken will fall. Right. Allegedly. Or, yeah. <laughs> or if you hit your paddle too hard, your chicken may fall, uh, which is what I took myself out. Yep. 
so it was a fun little uh it was a 16 player tournament um actually we had one ticket in into it and then one waitlist ticket because apparently it was you know as soon as people could get the tickets they got them right but uh, fortunately one of the guys didn't show up so both of us got to play it was only two rounds because they had four setups the end of the first round it was me against one other guy we were on opposite sides of the the machine and we each had one chicken left so it was just it was a matter of just trying to tap get that tap just right to where it would be too high for them to hit with their paddle um, but low enough where it would catch their chicken right so this went on for like four minutes <laughs> we're Dude, sitting there i've never seen so much tension building around loop and louie like all the people like there were people out watching it too that had showed up like i guess their friend was in it so i mean there there must have been like 20 25 people standing around watching these two go at it like it was it was getting there I feel like I should have won because I I had Louie hit his chicken twice and the chicken didn't fall. Right. Uh, right. There were there were some shenanigans going on with that chicken. Um, but either way, he ended up um, beating me and he went on to the final round, which he was the first, first one, one to get out. knocked out. Right? Yeah. So I, I felt especially bad uh, because, you know, that's you want the person who beats you to at least go on and right. do, do greater things. The guy I lost to did end up winning it all. Uh, so. That made me feel a little bit better, uh, even if I did knock myself out of the tournament. But it was it was fun. It, it was, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, like I needed a little silly with yeah. everything else that was going on. Panels. All the panels. We caught the first panel. The opening, they usually have somebody come in and talk for like an hour um, about really whatever they want. Like, yeah. whatever the thing is. And this year, this year was a Bray Iyengar. So if you don't know, she was the, she's DM'd. Um, for the guys over Critical Role, she did the Alexandria Unlimited, uh, which was like the ten shot series uh, that they did between campaigns. She's been with Dimension Twenty a lot. Um, she, uh, she's DM'd on there. She's played on there. Um, I'm pretty sure she's been with B. Dave Walters too, and done some of the stuff over in Vampire. Um, this summer she was really busy. Like she was all over the place yeah. this summer. There was apparently a hashtag going around that was uh, "Summer of Abria." Yeah. Um, and one of the other things she did uh, was she did a um, a DM to session for or a couple sessions for um, the Adventure Zone. Right. Which those guys are hilarious. I hope one day to get to meet them because um, they seem like they're just all around good dudes. Um, but. She did the opening, which every every packs it's called story time with, you know, insert the person's name. Uh, we didn't get to go to the one in 2019 because we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, <laughs> so, Fair. yeah, um, but we wanted to catch it this year. Um, one, because she is an amazing person. Um, and second, she's hilarious. Uh, so we knew it was going to be good. And she definitely did not disappoint. Right. That was a great start to the convention. Just getting to sit down. And here's somebody else that is good at what they do and loves it and enjoys it and is here for the same reasons we are. Yeah. You know, uh, that was really great. Uh, they did do a little uh, question and answer time, uh, which was a lot of fun. You know, just kind of getting her view of the gaming industry and how she runs things. Uh, it was really good. It was really insightful. I like that one. You get a chance to go watch her, um, watch her run a game. Uh, I feel like she does a really great job at DMing and letting people play. Yeah. I, one of the things that stuck out to me, um, she was talking about specifically, she kind of went through the summer and all the things that happened and kind of the way they broke out, which was pretty funny in, in its own regard. 
But she talked about coming into these worlds like Exandria Unlimited, where you literally have the person who created the world sitting at the table and kind of what that is like to build this game in this other person's world and still putting your own spin on it, even though like you're within these you know confines of what they've already made. Um, and uh, repeatedly, as she was kind of giving her initial like talk about it, um, the way kind of she referenced them compared to her was like, you could tell she looks up to them and like the things that they have done. Um, and then what really stuck out to me was um, she did a Q and a for like the second half of it. And one of the guys um, got up there uh, to the mic and he, he didn't really have a question. The only thing that he said was, Hey, I just want you to know you keep talking about all these people and the things that they built, the things that they've done, um, and how they're such great storytellers, but you know, you are right there with them. Yeah. And and that was really cool to see her reaction because obviously, I mean, she knows she's good at what she does. You don't get the offers and the opportunities that she does without that. And so inherently she has to know that, but at the same time, like you could tell that it's something to have someone come up there and be able to say that to her, um, just that whole moment was was awesome to yeah. be able to see. Yeah. So because I mean, in in all reality, she is a great storyteller. Oh, she is, and yeah. definitely deserves a seat at that table with any of the other ones that are out there. So that that was really cool to see. I really enjoyed that. That was a great start, especially after all the troubles and stuff we had had the night before. Right. Um, <laughs> just kind of getting there and. Um, really just re refocusing on why we were there and being able to kind of take a break and get ready to have a good time. Yeah. Yep. So directly following that one, I believe. Yes. Um, we, we went over to, uh, a second panel with Keith Baker. If you don't know Keith Baker, let me tell you about him because Keith is my new best friend. Back in 2002, Wizards of the Coast put out a, a kind of a contest like, Hey, we want a new setting uh for D D and Keith actually designed what is now the Eberron setting. Um which is pretty cool. I thought it was something that he had worked on and like he had played in before, but apparently like he from scratch, yeah, when they put out the uh or put out the call, Keith put this thing together. Um and Eberron is a it's a setting that I'm finding that I'm enjoying much more than I thought with the release of the new source book, which was uh Rising from the Last War. It talks about just the how Eberron is a very different setting from what we were used to because of things, you know, political and social. Like the uh, the world of Eberron, Corvair, which is the main continent that you're on, was actually settled by goblinoids. They had a thriving civilization that has since, you know, fallen into ruin and collapsed. But they were not by any means evil or tribal or, you know, they were able to you know build a civilization. Uh, so things like that where, you know, not everybody is, you know, not all your NPCs or all your monsters are tied to an alignment. I think Eberron was one of the first places where that was tried. Right. It's really, it, Eberron really did what Wizards is trying to do with D&D in general years ago. Yes. Um, which is, is cool. And it kind of shows that these ideas have been around for a while. Um, they just really haven't had a mainstream push necessarily right, right. Um, but the panel was um it was about eberron kind of in general as well as a new project that keith is working on um so that th again it was cool to be able to see and um kind of 
not necessarily meet, but like see this person closer than, you know, through a screen. <laughs> right, right. Um, really down to earth kind of guy. So one thing that we are going to, I'm going to tell you right now, if you go to a, if you go to a convention and you may sit in a, a panel with, you know, somebody that you admire, maybe somebody like Keith Baker that has designed worlds that you have played in. Um, when question and answer time comes up, you know, when the Q and a is there, don't ask about your personal game. It's not what that's there for. <laughs> we're all here. Like there, there were some questions that came in the Q and a, and it was, you know, it was, it was very much, well, I have this character and like, they got real like in the weeds about somebody's personal game. And you could see, he was like, all right, look guys, I'm going to be doing a, like kind of like a jam session on at like one o'clock on Saturday where those are the questions that I want then. Like I need to yeah. like keep this broad, you know? Um, and then there were like four more questions like that. So that's our Ted talk for today. Yeah. Right. Thank uh, you for coming to my Ted talk. <laughs> Learn how to ask questions. But no, it, it was, it was cool to see him talk about something that he is very passionate about. Right. Um, obviously uh, this has grown more than he probably ever could have imagined. Yes. What it would be. Um, especially with them, um, continuing to put out like source books and stuff for it. Right. Um, that's pretty exciting there. Right. So then Saturday, yep. we went back over to wild bills. Right. And I went and got my drink off of Josh's bag where I had clipped it. So, um, if you've seen any of the pictures, you understand that Josh has pretty much pack mule everything. Um, so I grabbed my cup and I'm standing in line and I look behind him and I'm like, oh. it's like, you're Keith Baker. And there he was standing there just refilling his cup getting him some soda, go on to, you know, whatever he was working on. Uh, and it was pretty cool. We got a chance to sit there for like 10 minutes and talk to this guy while we were waiting in line. Yeah, because if you've ever been to a Wild Bill soda line, you know that 10 minutes is a good wait. <laughs> yeah, right? Wasn't bad. Yeah. Wasn't bad. Um, so uh, basically, uh, me and Keith Baker are now best fucking friends. Um, but we talked about, you know, we talked about Eberron. And, you know, I told him, I was like, hey, a big fan. My, my GM, you know, Leslie, who's been on here, is like, she is running a game in Eberron, and it really... I kind of fell in love with the setting and stuff. And he talked a little bit just about it and he, you know, he appreciates it and stuff. Um, but it was just, you know, kind of some back and forth. I found out that, uh, he liked the, uh, the blazing black cherry soda the best. Um, uh, some people add some of the vanilla soda to it, but that makes it too sweet. Uh, so he's not a big fan of that, but you know, they got to make sure they put ice in it. And then, you know, when they fill it, give it a second to, for the foam to go down, then they fill it again. So, man, <laughs> Man was very, uh, you know, he knows what he wants. Uh, but it was just like he's just such a down to earth kind of guy. I did forget to ask him about seeing his tattoo because he does have a dragon mark tattoo oh, from Eberron. Uh, but you know, it was all done, kind of like you know, shook hands. It's like, hey, good talking to you and stuff, and like parted ways. And I, I feel like we're on a first name basis now, so we're good to go. <laughs> That's one of the things I do enjoy about these conventions, or are the opportunity to see people that you would never really get the op- the chance to meet. Um, to see them close up like that, um, so that was that was pretty cool. I know last that was probably one of the one of the highlights of our packs. Uh, I know last last packs it was obviously getting you getting to meet Kate Welch, but um, yeah. she wasn't there this time, so you know no repeats. Uh, <laughs> but the other big panel or thing that we went to is the one we always look forward to at PAX events, and that's the Acquisitions Incorporated game, right? Uh, we were worried because um, for after they put out the schedule, it wasn't on there. Um, so uh, there were some questions this year uh, about um, exactly who was going to be involved in it and if they were still going to do it. Uh, because actually, 
one of the main characters, uh, Mike Rahulik, he had put out a thing that he was no longer going to do the live shows at PAX. Um, which, again, that's, you know, that's his thing. He doesn't want to do it. No worries. Um, so there were questions of whether or not Acquisitions Incorporated would continue. Uh, of course it did. Uh, they brought in, um, what's it, Chris Straub from uh, the C-Team. That's right, because the uh, C-Team kind of just finished up their run. Yep. Um, so they brought him in, uh, moved him up to the big league, so to speak, uh, at least for now. And I saw, actually, he was doing a lot of the panels with Jerry Hawkins. Right. So that seems to be kind of the direction they're starting to go to, uh, which is pretty cool. I'm glad they were able to find somebody to kind of give him a partner to. Um, for me, I always love the um, Acquisitions Incorporated games that they do live. Uh, one, because I think Jeremy Crawford is an amazing DM. Um, and he is the person that I want to be when I grow up. Right. Um, because anyone who has a, a master's of divinity in biblical studies and is now the lead rules designer at Dungeons and Dragons, I feel like that's just a great combination. It was good to see them all together. Um, it was good to see um, not only the original characters with Jerry's character, Omen Drawn. Uh, we got to see... Um, Bobby Zimmerowski coming back. Right. Xavier Woods. Um, yep. From the Xavier WWE. Woods' character. Uh, I was glad he was there. Um, cause he, I thought, I don't think he was there the last couple of times where they kind of did things. Um, it, it was good to see, um, Anna Prosser with Evelyn Marthane coming back. That's always a fan favorite character. Of course, um, Chris Straub brought his character over, um, Strow. Yep. From yep. the C team. And then there was a new person there. Um, but we didn't really know who was going to be the the actual person playing them. Yes. So uh, come to find out, uh, Charity is Omen's daughter, uh, which was created a hilarious and and wonderful kind of symmetry on stage. Right. Um, the way that they work together uh, was amazing. Uh, she is definitely one of those I I hope to see back. <laughs> Uh, I hope if if she doesn't become a regular, I, I hope that she does visit often for the games. Yeah, and uh, Jasmine Bueller was the one that played Certainty Thrawn. Certainty, yeah, that was it. Yeah, um, I love the way she played it. Uh, and like the apple did not fall far from the tree. No, right? Like if, if you know the series, Omen Drawn is a cleric, um, and he's always like always be branding, right? Like he started Acquisitions Incorporated. He's 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 a businessman. He's a little bit of a shyster. Um, but he apparently sent his daughter to like the best schools in Waterdeep and paid for them. And, uh, it was well worth it because she was, she was on top of it. And the gameplay was just, she was so good. Like that whole game this time around, there was these like great moments of, I've got to make this role. You know, there was a couple that they didn't, but you know, like, Oh, but you have advantage, you know? Um, so it was just a really great game to watch live. Yeah, they they have always done very good live games Um, with the break because of the coronavirus and not having packs and things like that. It's been a little while since they played um, in front of a crowd at a table. So this was a very good one for them to come back on. Right. Uh, If uh, definitely go watch it. I know this one is on YouTube. Um, If you're a fan of the series, you know, this is definitely a great next installment. Um, If you've never seen any of the acquisitions incorporated games before, Definitely go back and watch them. They go back years. Like, they've been doing this for 10, 12 years. Yep. Long before the other streaming guys had started or any of that. It's like, 
they would play on stage in front of people at yep. the PAX, you know, convention. So, so, but this was this was a definitely one of the better games I think they've had. Like, I really enjoyed it just all the way around. Uh, it was nice to see too. They uh, one thing I enjoy, especially with um, them actually having leaders of wizards of the coast on stage with them is they're always using some of like the newer source books and stuff um like this time not to spoil too much but they do bring in kind of the witch like carnival right um right. which is a game that i'm starting to run in so um enjoy that all the time uh some of my favorites were when they were in ravnica those are again some of the newest products that have come out they usually tend to dabble in in their four hour show yep so it was great. That was a really good one. We did hit a couple other panels. Uh, the shut up, sit down uh, versus the board game barrage uh, game was great. Um, it just, again, there's so much that we missed, but there's so much that we did get a chance to go see. Um, it, it was all worth it. Yep. Um, and we ran into a bunch of people. We talked about, you know, like I said, we met, uh, we did get a chance to actually meet Keith Baker uh, and talk to him, which is fantastic. We also met uh, Danielle uh, Standring, which she has a, uh, YouTube channel and a TikTok where it used to be Games D Max plays, but I think yep. it's just under Danny Strandling now. Uh, if you want, you want somebody that wants to talk board games. I mean, this woman like she loves board games. Yep, her collection is incredible, and she knows them. Um, and just I mean, she makes it fun. I, we saw her kind of walking just down the aisle, and I fangirled a little bit and just. <laughs> Told her I was such a big fan. Like uh, she was, we actually talked about her uh, a couple of episodes back when we talked about TikTok creators that we liked. Yep. Uh, so just a fantastic person. She was really cool. Uh, we gave her a pin. She's like, she goes, I suck at remembering names. She's like, so what you guys the handle? Uh, so we told her, you know, I have to dap her meeple. And we gave her a pin because that makes sense. And you look at that, you should, you should know, right? Uh, so it was really cool to get to meet her. Um, we got to see the Brothers Murph. We didn't get a chance to really talk to them. Yeah. So uh, if you don't know the Brothers Murph, um, they are a very popular YouTube channel. Um, basically all about board games. They do all kinds of different videos. Um, my favorite, the way I actually found them was their top 100 list that they do every year um, that they've been doing for the past few years. Uh, they actually work with Restoration Games. So a lot of times at these bigger cons, you'll find them at the Restoration Games booth, which is where we found um, them. where they'll be working. Every time we went by, they always had people at their tables. So we didn't get a chance to actually meet them. Um, but that is one of the one of the things we do want to get around to eventually. Right. Um, and then I I got to meet a friend of mine that. I had met years ago um, at Tidewater Comic Con. My daughter, um, who's grown into a teenager, so she's way less uh, social now. Uh, when she was younger, she did a cosplay um, as Ray, and she, we went to the Comic Con and stuff. And it was a big deal, um, and we like made the cosplay together and stuff. It was a lot of fun. We got there. One of the people that was judging is a local celebrity, even though she scoffs at the title. Uh, but her name, it, uh, her professional name is Viva Valentine. Um, she just kind of took Layla like she was like she was so cute and we talked for a while you know and then you know for a couple of years they exchanged letters and she would send stuff you know for them uh, for Layla and her brother uh, it was really cool um, and we just kind of drifted out of touch with everything that was going on and I know she's had a lot of stuff just in her life just just life like nothing you know just just life um, but I saw her and we were all wearing masks and I walked past her like the first day and I was like is that like, I think I know her, and I think it, I didn't get a chance to go over until Saturday, just because there was always people. She was at the Dragon Shield booth, um, and I was like, "Hey, 
are you? And she turned around and recognized me and we got a second to talk and just kind of catch up. Um, it's fantastic. She is heavy into the, uh, just the community here. She's a huge cosplayer. Mm-hmm. She plays uh, D&D. She plays like a lot of the card games and tournaments and stuff. She does a lot of the cons. Like I said, she works a little bit with Dragon Shield. Um, she did open her own business last year or maybe this year. Um, the Stuffy Spa. So if you are one of these people with like stuffed animals that, you know, mean something to you that you've had around for a while and they get a little beat up, um, she restores them and does a fantastic job. I mean, it looks, you can find her videos on YouTube and TikTok and stuff. Um, and if you have one, go to her website. I think it's just the stuffy spa.com and check that out. Um, if you need something restored, she's definitely able to do it. Um, uh, but we got to talk and it was really cool kind of connecting with somebody that I'd known. Um, she is going to be on the podcast at some point. Uh, we told her about it. She was really excited. Um, definitely to get her point of view of a woman in this space and what it's been for her, um, being an Asian American woman, you know, um, you know, bringing more celebrity, even local celebrity guests in. Yeah. The other thing that we, or the other people we met, uh, were some people from a Dungeons and Dragons B and B. Um, they are actually out of Fredericksburg, Maryland. Right. Uh, and the name of the company is called adventure away. So what they do is they actually will host, um, D and D groups that want to come in and play. They basically provide everything that you need, um, including a GM to run the sessions for you. Uh, they have options of just at their local B and B. Uh, one of the things we saw though is that you can play Dungeons and Dragons in a castle. They described it as a D and D B and B. Really cool. You know, you pay for the weekend. Can they provide like ten hours of gaming? They gave us their card so we can set something up. This looks like such a great weekend. If you have a DM that runs all the time, like get the group together and, you know, go up there and run a weekend where they get to be part of the adventure from the other side of the screen. All your food, snacks, everything is covered for the entire weekend. You get the room, you get the experience and the gaming. It just, it feels like it's something you have to plan, but. Yeah, I I mean, for two nights in a room, like you're looking at a hundred to 200 bucks anyway that right there that's almost the entire thing plus all your food is covered so plus it looks like you get like a little welcome package with like some dice and things like that so just the whole nine yards it's really it's really neat right uh plus they're not too far away from us so this is definitely something that we are looking into maybe go play dungeons and dragons in a castle sometime first thing in the con we signed up for their uh, email list and they're like oh cool roll for a prize and i did and I got a one, uh, <laughs> so it was a little rough to the start to start the con. Uh, so, but I'm gonna find a way to use the mini whoopee cushion that I won somehow. Somehow, that's my goal this year. <laughs> um, so, man, hey, that was our packs. You know, normally we do a Kickstarter roundup, and really at this point, I think we've uh, we've probably talked enough for this episode, and um, we're gonna we'll push that off till the next episode. Uh, we've been waiting for this for you know a couple of years. I think it really kind of just inspired me and encouraged me to get back into, you know, focusing on this and, you know, getting this podcast to where we want it to be and getting out there in the community more, kind of making a name for ourselves um, as we hopefully open it up for other people, too. Right. And we especially want to say if if you guys want to um, get back with us, get in touch with us as far as social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we love to talk with people in the community. Uh, we love to just talk about this hobby in general. 
Um, we, like we've always said, we are here to open up this to everyone. There's a, a seat at the table for whoever wants to play. So by all means, reach out to us and uh, communicate with us and we'll be happy to do the same. Sounds good. No fancy exit this time. We're out. Thanks everyone for sticking around and listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for The Dapper Meeple. On Twitter, our handle is at The Dapper Meeple or email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table.